Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, Steve Hall. Welcome to another episode of the Mustang Owners Podcast. I'm Steve Hall, the Executive Director of the Mustang Owners Museum. And today we have a special guest that uh, I've uh, been looking forward to having on and uh, chat with a bit, uh, Larry Dobbs. And for many of you who have uh, ever looked at a Mustang Monthly magazine, you know the name. And for those of you that don't, Larry was the gentleman that started the magazine and gave the Mustang culture world something to read and learn about Mustangs. And so, welcome to the podcast, Larry. Thank you, Steve. We look forward to having a couple of questions. Just want to find out why a Mustang magazine? What what kind of led you or made you think about that? That's obviously there was a need for it, but what what gave you the idea to do this? Well, uh, Steve, I believe it was in uh, nineteen. 67 that I bought my first Mustang had just gotten back from overseas duty with the U.S. Navy and uh, so drove by a used car lot in Norfolk, Virginia and there sat a 65 white Mustang two-door hardtop and uh, so I stopped and talked to the salesman and uh, he was a good salesman (laughs) and uh, let me test drive the car and it was a 289 two-barrel four-speed, and uh, I really liked the car, and so we struck a deal. So that's how I first got started into Mustangs, and I kept that car for a few years, then sold it, and then years later, when I was working for the local newspaper, one of the ladies working there had a 65 Mustang convertible, and it was basically rusted out. She was still driving it. And uh, she said, I can't, they won't offer me anything for trade-in. And I said, well, I'll pay you $200 for it. And so I paid her $200 and drove away in her little Mustang convertible. So over the next uh, probably year or so, uh, I've what we would call today kind of restomited it, got the floorboards fixed since they had too much rust. But, and then uh, the following year, 19, uh, let's see, Steve. Anyway, it was the following year. I told my wife, I, I said, let's drive up to Signal Mountain and uh, stay for a couple of nights. Signal Mountain, not Signal Mountain, I'm sorry, Stone Mountain in uh, Atlanta. And so I looked out the window of the hotel the next morning, and there were several Mustangs out in the parking lot. They were forming the Mustang the Mustang Club of America. So I joined up, and uh, so that's how I kind of got into it. And I remember my number for the Mustang Club. My member number was 229. So then uh, I kept that car for a few years. But restoring it, I went to all the salvage yards looking for parts for it, and they were very easy to find then and very inexpensive. Well, as it was, When I got to that Mustang Club meeting there at Stone Mountain, I saw guys in the parking lot selling parts out of their cars. And I looked at some of the prices on those used parts, and I said, oh, my Lord, to myself, I could buy these parts for a tenth of that down in the salvage yards in Lakeland. 
And I began doing that, began selling the parts uh, in Hemings Motor News. Then as, uh, as that began to do well, I told my wife, I said, I think, now I was a salesperson, uh, newspaper salesperson at the local newspaper. I said, I think I'm gonna start a newsletter for Mustang parts. And so initially I named the magazine Mustang Exchange Letter. And it went well, but it didn't go over too well with my wife because I quit my job to start this uh, little parts business, used parts business, and this newsletter. But things went pretty well. So then I ran an advertisement in Hemings Motor News for subscriptions to the Mustang Exchange Letter. $7, you get 12 issues. It was just quick print. It was not a, a magazine per se. It was just a quick print. And so the first two or three issues were just a fold over eight and a half, 14 paper that formed a total of about 12 pages. That went pretty good. And uh, then I think it was in Columbia, South Carolina or Charlotte, North Carolina, they were having a Mustang show. And uh, Donald Farr came up and spoke to me. And uh, he said, I like Mustangs and I, I am a Mustang enthusiast. Do you ever have any articles in your magazine? I said, well, not yet, but I'm, I'm thinking about doing that. So then I turned it into a, a glossy magazine. So that was a, a challenge, but uh, by now my wife could tell that, you know what? This is a good deal. Uh, I think he's gonna do well at this. And so with the Lord's blessing, uh, the magazine went well. So then I contacted Donald Farr, having met him there in South Carolina. I said, Donald, how would you like to move to Lakeland and be the editor of my magazine? By this time, I had changed the name to Mustang Monthly. He said, let me talk about it and pray about it. I'll talk to Pam. Well, as it was, both Pam and Judy, my wife, were expecting at that time. and so. I don't know how well Pam agreed with it, but Donald and Pam moved to Lakeland, Florida from Union, South Carolina. I don't think Donald's dad was too happy about it in as much as he was expecting Donald to inherit his feed and seed store there in Union. But Donald had a different future outlook, thankfully. And so they came to Lakeland. And so things went well after that. Now, sure, like any business, we had our ups and downs, and challenges. But then over time, the magazine became very desirable. Subscriptions began to grow. And uh, so over time, there were some different publishers that tried to copycat. But one good thing about it, Steve, when you're the original person or original uh, creator of an entity, it's hard for anybody to catch you. Everybody from Hot Rod Magazine, uh, several tried to catch us, but none of them ever caught up to Mustang Monthly. And our subscribers were the most loyal, nice people you'd ever want to meet. And when I sold the company 20 years later, it was still the number one Mustang magazine in existence. And this is back, Steve, when there was print editions of magazines, which are very few print editions of magazines now because everything is digital. 
So uh, it went it went well, and I was very blessed. So I, I'm glad to answer any questions that I can, Steve, if you have any. Well, I have a few. I always try to do a little research, so I, I can maybe ask some questions that are on topic, as it were. But from what I kind of read, I think your initial pieces that you're talking about was a folded over uh, version. And I actually have here in the museum, we try to collect every single Mustang book that we can. Oh, great. And we have we have a number of, a number of them from Donald Farr of, of, of his books, but we also try to have on display every Mustang magazine that's focused on, I mean, it's a, it's a Mustang magazine. So I know other publications may put a Mustang on their cover once a year or such. Well, that's not really, a, I mean, it's a Mustang article, but not a Mustang magazine. So we try to, from Mustang Monthly, 5.0, uh, we have Mustang Times. And we actually do have a few of those early, early, early editions of uh, yours that you did. As you mentioned, they were kind of a fold over. Uh, it surprises people when they come here and they see that uh, back in 19, early, well, back in what, the late 70s? Yes. Is when those were done. It's like, well, that's, you know, technology changes. You were able to start this. But my understanding was you, you kind of like a lot of, uh, a number of Mustang parts guys, you started in your home, correct? That is correct, Steve. So I can imagine your coffee table, or you're not coffee table, your dining room table had all the various pieces put together. You have a little assembly line, and that's after you after you've created all your content. So it's actually more of a labor of love, I'm sure, at that time, with hoping it would kind of grow to where it did. But uh, you you have to start somewhere, and uh, you know we hear always from car guys who have very successful parts businesses. You know, they started in their home, went to the garage, got a small space, and they just kept growing and growing because of the need of what they offered. And let's face it, back in that day, you know, the a Mustang magazine was basically the internet, so to speak. It was only on thir every thirty days that you'd get in, in a magazine. You could read articles about other Mustangs, cars, parts, uh, technical things. Uh, that was their source of information. And so it was, it was very important to have. It was one of those pieces, I think, that helped lead to the parts business being needed to help for people to restore or to modify their car. Mustang Monthly was a huge part of that process. So um, I was curious. As initially, of course, you started with first-generation Mustangs in, 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 the, in the magazine. Were the, when were the other generations, or when were they added to, uh, to the magazine so that you know, people with other generations could have something to read also? It was not until the late 80s, Steve. Which, which, which generation came first? Which other generations did you, were you able to add? Well, obviously, we started with the 65 to 73 mm -hmm. Mustangs, which, of course, included the 64 and a half. And then we went from that to the, and, and we never did, Steve, publish anything on the Mustang II. But that's not to say that the Mustang II was not a good car. But uh, Ford then switched in 73 to the Mustang, that, that the generation that replaced the Mustang II. I think I read well, the next group you, that you did add to the magazine was Fox Bodies? Uh that was the next generation, yes, that we did. Well, I know, of course, Fox Bodies back in that time period, because those, those, it's funny that those years that we're talking about, that was just when I was, you know, just getting out of college and things. And so I was very, I definitely kept my eye on Mustangs. But uh, that's just the, you know, you, now you see where Fox Bodies have come now. 
back from the day that uh, you know there's still a lot of interest, even growing interest for for fox bodies. So you see a lot of that. So that's neat to see that uh, you know these generations are still out there and there's still a lot of interest with them. So uh, now obviously you know you, you mentioned about Donald Farr and you also you've had a great group of editors, um, Jim Smart. I guess the question was, did you think that success that their success led because they were Mustang people and they were very passionate about that? Because obviously it seems to have kind of come across in the magazine. Well, I I do believe that Steve. One of the things that helped me to be successful was finding someone with the expertise and the word skills like Donald Farr had, and those that came behind him, like Jim Smart. Tom Corcoran, and, and many others, they were very savvy car people more than they were just editors. But because they were good editors and they were passionate about the Mustangs, that was one of the things that meant the most. I've always said that the three most important things to look for when you're looking to hire someone is in integrity, passion, and savvy. And Donald had all of those things. So we tried to make that habit at uh, Mustang Publications, which ultimately became Dobbs Publishing Group. And we had seven different automotive magazines. Well, it's interesting you mentioned this again about Donald. Uh, I should also mention to our listeners that uh, Larry Dobbs uh, last year was voted in by our membership to be in the Mustang Owner Museum's Hall of Fame. Uh, thank Donald, you, Steve. Well, no, thank you, but but uh, Donald beat you. The Donald was in the he was voted in the second year of uh, of our uh, Hall of Fame award, and so he got in just a little bit ahead of you. And I asked, I think Donald's comment was, uh, he said, "Well, I've written a few more books than Larry has." <laughs> so he's <Amen>. always, <laughs> he, but, he's, but my point is, he's always very uh, unassuming, very thankful, but uh, he's 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 certainly a credit. Uh, I mean, and I have to say, everybody in our Hall of Fame is certainly a credit to the hobby in, in different reasons and different uh, aspects. But uh, Donald is certainly is someone that he, he you can tell he thoroughly does enjoy going to the car shows. He still goes to events. He was not able to make our uh, Hall of Fame dinner last time, but uh, he will be coming this particular uh, April for it. So uh, we're looking forward to having him. But no, he's always very passionate, very much uh, well known. But people enjoyed talking with him. I did tell him on our podcast that I think he's probably got a tough job because I'm sure everybody wants to come up and say, oh, Donald, look at my car. Here's what I've got, you know, and they're pulling out their iPhone and, you know, here's photo, 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 photo. But he's so passionate. He's so patient with everybody. You know, you never know which, I guess maybe you never know where a story can come from. So that's probably why, uh, you know, he's, he's as well liked as he is. So I, I, well, I want to kind of ask a couple other quick things in. Obviously, over the course of time with your magazine, are there any particular articles about cars or people that really stood out to you? I'm just kind of curious. I asked Donald the same question, and he was very, he brought up about the 1964 World's Fair car. And we actually, it was funny because we actually have that car here on display in the museum. And I know the family, and he knows the family, but I was just curious if, with all the articles and things that have gone through the magazine, are there any that you still kind of remember? It's like, that was just, you know, that was such a great story, great, for whatever reason it resonated to you. Yeah, I think I think it did as well because, you know, it had uh, Lee Iacocca 
and uh, I forget the other fellow's name from marketing that was uh, there on the cover of that issue of uh, Mustang Monthly that month. So are you, you're talking about the World's Fair car? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Were there any others though? Anything else that kind of you, as you kind of read it, and just say, "Wow, that's just that's a great Mustang story." Well, Steve, I would hesitate to try to single one specific one out because they were all great cars, and I think the articles were well written, well researched, and so I would not want to single one specific article or feature out. No, no, I, I certainly, I certainly understand. It's just that I thought maybe there might be something that just kind of, you know, maybe it resonated you because of a personal reason or things as such. So, no, no, that, that's all. It's all good. So, well, let me ask a couple other questions then. So, what, uh, you know, if you don't mind my asking, what uh, you you sell the magazine in 1999, uh, or I should say the group of magazines. What, if I may ask, what led you to go ahead and sell, or what did you do? End up doing afterwards. After that, I became a consultant for other publishers, and also I do a lot of volunteer work in my church and uh, teach classes, life skills and relationship skills, leadership skills. So that's something I really enjoy doing. And so it was a very smooth transition uh, after the company, the big big company that bought my company. So uh, so I was. So I'm very happy right now, although I am long time retired. Well, as they say, you know, that's, you know, it gives you the chance to do what you wish and what you want to do and what your passion is and such. So that's, that's what retirement should be all about. So that's, that's great. Amen. Amen. Um, well, let me ask a couple of other questions. I like to, we always like to ask everybody that comes to, uh, comes on our podcast. I, I know you talked about some of your, uh, your first Mustang you bought and another, another Mustang that you ended up with. But of the Mustangs, how many different Mustangs may have you have you owned over the years? Steve, probably dozens. <laughs> as as Donald <laughs> mentioned on his podcast, uh, he didn't have to go out and look for a car because Larry Dobbs was always selling one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must be. And, what kind of what kind of warranty does the Dobbs dealership offer on their Mustangs? <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, two ten. Two minutes, ten feet. So. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, uh, are there, are there, which one of all those is, is there one that resonates to you? That was your favorite. That's the one you really you know, like. For some reason, sometimes cars resonate more, uh, even though it's the same type of car. Some may resonate more than others. Is there one that really just stood out to, to you that you said, "Well, that's the one I that was my favorite." Well, I would probably say, and probably for just nostalgic reasons. It was the very first one that I fixed up. I wouldn't call it restored, but that led me into the business. And it was interesting, like I said, when I went to the Mustang Club of America's first meeting there, uh, Gary Goddard was the gentleman that was putting it on. And so I had opportunity to meet Gary, very nice young man. So salvaging parts, selling them, it was it was like an introduction to a new career because I'd always been in some sort of sales. And of course Donald will Donald Farr will tell you, well, he's will always be a salesman. <laughs> and but thankfully I was able to find very experienced writers and photographers 
And I, over the years, had some of the best, best people. And that's the secret to anybody's success is the people that they surround themselves with. Uh, you know, and I, I think we've all heard Carol Shelby say the very first, the very exact same thing to the degree of, you know, that you to be successful, you hire the best people you can find. <clears throat> they will give you the success. You just have to be smart enough to find them. And uh, he, that was how he kind of lived by as far as his, his business acumen. It was, that was what he focused on as such. You mentioned about Gary uh, Goddard. It's actually kind of funny. He called me earlier this week, and uh, in the future, we will have him on our podcast. So he's, he's, I, I don't know how active he is these days with Mustang Club of America, but uh, we will have him on sometime in the very near future as such. The other thing I thought was rather ironic, I'll say, I don't know the words ironic, but interesting is that you mentioned about how you just happen to be at Stone Mountain, and then you look out and you see these Mustangs, and you talked about there were guys there selling parts. I don't know if you know Bill Harris from Harris Mustang. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, okay. I used to sell Bill, I used to sell Bill uh, Shelby, used Shelby parts. Oh, and he he has stored a lot of those Shelby parts, and and just now every once in a while he'll bring a few out. But that's how Harris Mustang got started was taking parts. He was a, he was a, he became a member of Mustang Club of America. His 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 membership number was like one twenty five, and he yeah. uh, he would uh, go to the Mustang event that you're, we we were just talking about for Stone Mountain, and he'd bring parts. And he realized, wow, there's a market here. He says, I think I can find more parts. And yeah. it was like the first steps of what became Harris Mustang. And what I want to say now, 45 years later, they're still doing it. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, but of course, you're, you're going to find it. You're going to go back to what you said earlier about integrity and honesty and just, you know, knowledge and, 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 and passion. And that's Harris Mustang. I mean, they, they are there. Yeah. They're great folks, but it's just so funny how one little event in all of, you know, in Stone Mountain brought together a magazine and also retail part businesses. It's, 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 it's amazing how much grew out of those, out of those little, those meetings in the early stages. It's, uh, it's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't believe in coincidences. And so I don't believe that it was coincidence that I happened to get a room overnight for my wife and me at the Stone Mountain Inn, and then be able to look out there and see what was going on. There was probably about eight or 10 Mustangs, I guess, and several of the guys with the Mustang were selling parts. And so I joined the club. So, But again, it's interesting, as you said, how that comes about. Oh, and I agree with you. I call it karma. I kind of, it's just, it was meant to be. I was supposed to be here for this reason. And now, you know, as I say, you know, the Lord's given me an opportunity to 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 witness this. And this is something that I think I could do. You know, I want to be part of, as I say, whether it's with, you know, work or, or family or what have you. So sometimes I just look at it as karma. Uh, it's, like I said, I remember uh, some years ago I was talking to Gail Halderman. I said, you know, we were at a car uh, at, at the 50th here in Charlotte. I think it was the 50th. I said to him, I said, you know, you're responsible for all this. <laughs> and he looked at me, he, looked, he kind of looked at me. And if you know, if you got, if people that got to know Gail, he had a very, uh, very, very uh, good sense of humor. But it was very uh, smart humor, as it were. And he just kind of yeah. looked at me with kind of a funny look. And he's going, 
He goes, I know what you're referring to. He said, I only drew it. Don't blame me for all of this. And so he just had that little humor <laughs> about it. But uh, no, he appreciated it because later in his life, he kind of had a, I want to say a second life, as it were, as, as somebody that uh, was revered and respected in the hobby. So uh, he got to, he got his attaboys, as they say. So no, it's amazing yeah. where this hobby's gone. But uh, from just that little bit of the, the the connection with Mustang Club of America has affected so many and uh, given so many people uh, business opportunities and growth. And of course, your magazine did the same thing because without that, the park companies wouldn't be. You know, how would a guy in Virginia? How? Hey, I lost. I guess I, I we had a little technical problem. Okay. Well, um, I, I can I can restart now. Go go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, okay. And Steve, I agree with what Gail had to say and and what you had to say about karma. Okay, I, I believe in karma, but also believe in divine providence. Well, I I, I guess maybe that's how I always I, that's how I always thought what karma was. <laughs> yeah, it, it is for it, sure. It is it is a higher power saying, okay, this is going to work this way, because some and sometimes you know it's it it works out. I'm going to let it part go because I don't want to get into too 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 philosophical <laughs> about this. We have another conversation as such, yeah. but I think good things happen to good people. Eventually, you know, sometimes, you know, you, we, I, that's just how I'm going to put it. We, you know, good, good things will happen to good people. Anyway, so I want to thank you for being on. I uh, really appreciate the time and letting our folks and our listeners get to know a little bit more about Larry Dobbs, the publisher. I got to be honest with you, I, I feel, and I say this very strongly, without the Mustang Monthly Magazine, there would not be the information source back in those days from the 70, late 70s, 80s, and 90s, and what have you, so that car guys could learn more about cars, see what other guys were doing with cars, and make decisions on how they wanted to build or restore or modify their Mustang. Because there was no other source of information. That magazine was so important. And uh, it's, it, was, it was a, you know, loosely termed, it was just something that uh, they couldn't live without. They, you know, every month that magazine had to come in and it always had information that they could use. So uh, it was a big, big part of the hobby. And after, what, almost 60 years, it's... Uh, you know, it's it's missed by a lot of folks. I'm still old school. I like a I like a printed magazine to read. Uh, not no not so much on the internet. But you know, what are you gonna do? So well, interestingly, Steve. Whatever I began Mustang Monthly, and Donald came with me. There was no internet then. Right. You know, so <laughs> you you didn't get it digitally. If you didn't get it in print, you didn't get it. Well, exactly. That was the only source. That's what I was saying. That's why that was the only source for every 30 days. The Mustang enthusiast had to get the magazine to know what's going on in the hobby, to learn more from your tech, tech, uh, technical articles from clubs. Here's the new models. Here's performance ideas, things of that nature. You were it. Uh, you were just a printed version, which, you know, we all grew up with. And so yeah, that's why I say that's why it's missed. And, uh, I wish we could still get a printed piece versus just being on the internet. So, unfortunately, that's just how things changed in the publication world that uh, a lot of us gone to digital. Yeah, and that's true with many, many of the magazines across the spectrum. Absolutely. It's not just Mustang. It's a, it's across the board with everything. And, and as each generation comes along, that'll become more and more just of how they get their information. It's no longer print. Uh, it's now all digital. So, but as such as it is, 
we have a we have almost every copy of Mustang Monthly here. We have people come here and look and see old articles. They find, hey, I bought this car. It's on this cover of this magazine. We have it here for them to see and and, and uh, you know get a chance to look at. In fact, we even have a lot of extras. And if we have doubles, we give the uh, the owner of that car an extra copy of Mustang Monthly. So it's something that's important to us that we do keep here because it tells you a story for the early days of Mustang up through what 2019, 2020 or such. And so it's it's still an important part of Mustang culture. So thank you for your for putting it together and making this work. And you, like you said, you got some great people like Donald and what have you that assisted, and um, it couldn't it couldn't do a better job. I think not that not that I'm qualified to to say that, but I know I appreciated getting the magazine also. So thank you, and uh, well, wanna, you bet, Steve. And thanks again. And again, I, I give I give the credit to all of the fine people who came alongside me as we worked this hobby, this passion together, and uh, they brought the expertise. I had some marketing savvy, but I had the professionals who were the writers, the photographers, people who had the skill set for producing the magazine. You know, anything from the beginning, start to finish, until you received it in the mail. Well, they all did a great job, and you had, a, like you said, you had a great team. So the hobby thanks you for that work. We appreciate it. And thank you for uh, the podcast today, Steve. You've done a very good job with it. And I am blessed to have been a part of it. Well, we, we appreciate your time. And, and like you said, you, you've been a big part of what the hobby's about. So, all right. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. Larry, you take care. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another episode of the Mustang Owners Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any episodes. For more information on the museum, please go to mustangownersmuseum.com and you'll find additional information on upcoming events.